0: Hi there, and welcome to episode 29 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I am your co host, Matt Larson, along with Cricket Lou. Well, nice to be back. It is. I think we need to just not talk about the infrequency of our podcasting and previous promises we've made or haven't made and just just press on right That's into right. questions. We need, <laughs> to, so. we, we need to just uh, set an example and not talk about it. How's that sound?
1: that's right maybe if we don't talk about it it'll 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 stop yeah <laughs> <We'll>, <laughs> it'll improve
0: so the mailbag let's see uh i've got some i actually have some real mail oh, no right. i have it here remember there it okay.
1: is okay right
0: right so who do we have
1: who do we have we have uh well, let's call him Ismael because <laughs> that's apparently who he is. Ismael is Kano,
0: right? Yeah. Now I have to stop you. Have you read Moby Dick? Have no, I haven't. I haven't either. No, I, I I'm chastened to
1: <laughs> admit
0: that I have not read Moby Dick. There's a lot of a lot of great literature I have not read. Somebody gave me the Brothers Karamazov. That's a and, tome. Oh, I know it, and and. Somebody thought I should read it, and, and I thought I should read it, kind of a peas and carrots thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got a few pages into it. And I'm usually obsessive enough that if I start a book, I finish it. I mean, I I can think of a half a dozen books over, like, my life that I have not been able to finish. Mm-hmm. And that just could not hold my attention.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm that way with books, generally speaking, too. Uh, you know, once I've started it, I feel an obligation to finish it. But, uh, yeah, I haven't read The Brothers K. Well, I just read a book which is actually called The Brothers K over the summer. Um, it's not the Dostoevsky novel. It's just called The Brothers K. I think it was supposed to be pretty good. It was on his uh, summer reading list for his English class this year. Hmm. Should we get back to Ismail's question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. He says, I'd first like to thank you for answering my question way back in episode 12. I learned quite a bit. He says, I have two questions. The first pertains to scripting APIs. I'm a great lover of the Perl NetDNS module. I use it for a lot more than just simplistic queries. For some of my scripts, I do TSIG, signed, uh, AXFERS, inspect the flags and the responses, etc. But I'm not a programmer and feel that I'm pigeonholed into Perl partly because of the granularity I enjoy from NetDNS. I'd like to start using Python and other scripting languages. Can you point me to modules or libraries from other scripting languages that are not just simplistic lookup libraries, but give me deep
0: visibility into the DNS transaction?" Well, I, I think we can probably help a little bit here. Um, I have to confess that I, I think we're both in this camp. I am a Perl person from from way back. I I and, and my Perl, I think, still reads like it, it's 1994. <laughs> I am <mean, laughs> afraid mine I mean, would too. Yeah, I, I had someone look at my code one time and said, "Oh yes, very Perl fourish." It's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. But uh, so, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I can use the object-oriented stuff for the modules, but I don't ever write with that. And, mm-hmm. and for that matter, I don't do a lot of Perl anymore anyway. But I have not. Um, I've not uh, taken the plunge and learn Python. I just haven't had any reason to, although it seems like everybody around me is doing so and, and really likes it. Although Dwayne Wessels is a pearl holdout. Uh, I, I dare say a pearl bigot. If mm. he pro- and I would say that to his face. Um, <laughs> he but probably far- would not
1: take it as an insult either.
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, so as, as far as Python goes, though, uh, I do know that there's DNS Python. And in fact, I was just looking at the web page before we started. It's in fact dnspython.org um however i've heard uh from colleagues of mine that they don't like dns python as much as they like net dns in perl hmm. and a couple of them keep threatening to just write the equivalent of net dns uh in python but i think that's they talk about that the way we talk about having monthly podcast episodes <laughs> <laughs> didn't uh didn't Brian Wellington at one point also write like a dns java uh, yeah, I was going to mention that next. Yeah, so that's uh, and, and that's been kept up over the years as well. Uh, and in fact, when uh, Dave Blacka, uh, my uh, colleague at Verisign, wrote the prototype for the unbound recursive server way back in, I don't even want to guess the year. I'm probably going to get it wrong. 2003, 2004. Um, he wrote it in Java using DNS Java, so he was able to write an entire recursive name server using dns java
1: wow so it's definitely got the granularity as ismael says to to do what he wants to do
0: yeah but it does uh, it is, is now we're talking java not javascript so it's you know it's definitely uh, java and all the religion that comes with that right
1: right how just out of curiosity after dave wrote that was it was it fast
0: <laughs> or was well it, it was only as a as a learning experience I mean, it was strictly as a prototype so hmm uh it was fast enough that you could use it as a as your recursive server for your local machine and not not notice anything okay um but he oh he he really he really did a lot of work on that he he wrote it once single threaded uh and then he went back and added added state to it so it could have multiple queries at a, at a time i mean it was just uh i don't know i, I was watching him do this and just thought it was a a vast amount of work. It it was it was great. I, I sort of I, I won't go so far as to say that the two of us designed it because that would be giving myself far, far too much credit. But I I did he and I did have some really good conversations as he was writing it, bouncing ideas back and forth. So I feel like I participated in the writing of a recursive name server, uh but I definitely didn't didn't write or, or design one. Okay. Yeah so one one kind of clever thing that we i i think it was clever that we came up with was the idea of uh well I'm gonna to have to remember it it was a specific cache implementation where we didn't cache whole answers, but we cached like pointers to resource record sets so I think we ca did the cache held the structure of an answer, but you were allowed to update particular resource record sets if they got updated as the server went about its business.
2: Hmm.
1: So you could sort of assemble answers from RR sets then? Just grab this RR set and that one and then shove them into the, the response packet?
0: Yes, but like not quite as naive as just having a big bucket of, of cache and and yank stuff out uh, mm-hmm. like, say, Bind 4 or even, to a certain extent, Bind 8 did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a feeling I'm misremembering because that doesn't, what I just described doesn't sound... <laughs> all that interesting but i remember at the time we thought that we were so maybe it was just an optimization that it was better than caching entire responses uh completely statically mm-hmm. it was like a i think this was middle ground between uh assembling a response completely uh from whole cloth in other words like okay it's time to I, i've got this answer cached i'll uh, I'll, I'll look in my cache, I'll find the answer. Now let me look for other stuff that goes with it and assemble it. That that would be the one extreme. Uh, the extreme other end would be you just completely store the response that you got from the authoritative server and you just replay it when somebody asks you. Yeah. And and then the middle ground is what we came up with where you store sort of the, the prototype of the answer. But then it's, it's really, as you say, pointers to, or I guess I said that, it's pointers to the different Uh, resource record sets so that stuff could be updated hmm interesting dave's probably if he even still listens he's (laughs) driven off the road and is pounding his steering wheel in rage
1: (laughs) you'll hear from him
0: oh i will he's only let's see what uh three floors below me now in our shiny new building in reston um all right i think that's all we can say about that one Uh, Okay, so Ismail has a second question here, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about the difference between Bind and Microsoft. Um, He says he loves to hate Microsoft DNS whenever he can, and he's a confessed Unix bigot. But the fair person in me, he writes, can't get past one strength of Microsoft DNS. In Microsoft DNS, I can make whatever change I want and not worry about having to restart it. This Mm -hmm. includes creating new zones. Why has this not yet been addressed in Bind? I know about the RNDC restart command, but this introduces an outage that is disruptive even if it's just for a few seconds. The issue is exacerbated if you are using an anycast environment. I'm not sure I understand that aspect
2: of the comment. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: DNS DNS in some cases might not restart quick enough, causing your routing protocol to withdraw a route and having to wait for convergence. Aha, now I understand that comment. Uh, The same is true for commercial products that are based on bind. Uh, the result is that I end up being far more confident as an administrator of a Microsoft DNS that I'm not going to cause a service disruption than I am as a BIND DNS administrator.
1: Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know, certainly you can make changes to zone data without having to to restart, right? I mean, that, that's not a, a requirement at all, um, and you can do that via dynamic update um, and you know, everything just keeps humming along. Or you can even, uh, if, if you're still editing zone data files by hand, you can edit the zone data files and then reload. In fact, you can just reload individual zones. And that doesn't require the name server to stop stop responding. Um, the name server simply rereads the zone data file into memory. So, uh, you know, there there are less disruptive ways to, to modify data. When it does come to adding or deleting zones things do get a little bit trickier and there's no way to do that that's sort of equivalent to the use of dynamic update with a bind name server but you can for example add a new zone definition to a named.conf file or delete a zone definition from a a named.conf file and if i remember correctly you use rndc reconfig to tell the name server to rescan the navy.conf file and deallocate uh, deleted zones or allocate for for new zones, and there again, I believe that doesn't uh, require a full restart. It, you know, your name server should keep responding, and it should, in fact, maintain its cache. So that's a pretty good alternative. Um, you know, as as far as why didn't BIND uh, implement a mechanism for dynamically uh, provisioning new zones or or deprovisioning new zones. Um, I suppose the ISC might argue that there's no standard for doing that. Um, Bind is supposed to be a reference implementation of a DNS server, and the IETF has never come up with a standard way of of, uh, allocating or deallocating um, zones. Uh, And, you know, the Microsoft uh, Windows environment sort of comes with... uh, a mechanism for doing that. They use the the standard DCOM RPC mechanism that you use for, you know, communicating with all sorts of other servers to uh, tell a Microsoft DNS server to, you know, create a new zone or, or uh, delete a zone or what have you.
0: Yeah, that I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, uh, Well, I had a comment and it's, it's gone. Oh, regarding your comment about the, um, the standardizing of uh, protocol to add and delete zones that gets kicked around in the ietf uh, every now and then it's kind of cyclical it keeps coming back but nothing ever ever happens to it It never gets any traction right i think it i think it's just not enough of a, a problem that anybody is feeling acutely enough to really dig into it and 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 fix it and to find something i
1: think if uh ismail were to check out some of the information available on ISC's website about Bind 10, he might find some, some interesting, relevant material. I don't remember uh, for sure, but I, I thought that Bind 10 was going to have some sort of a, a channel that you could use to do things like you know provision new zones. I think the, uh, the, the website is bind10.isc.org. All right. All right, well, I guess we've got one more question, right? Yes. And this one is from William Brown. And William Brown says, how do we get major registrars to support adding DS records so we can start signing zones? As a public institution, it would be a nightmare to move all the domains we support to a different registrar.
0: Well, yes. DNSSEC support (laughs) among registrars. Um, So if if you'll... um, Permit me to kind of give a, a, a little bit of a, if not sales pitch, I, I guess, uh, talk about what VeriSign has done. We've um, really tried to encourage the registrars to add support for DNSSEC, and uh, we've done, done, done a lot in terms of tools and, and, and things. The overall thinking is that, you know, we've spent a lot of time and resources to uh, add DNSSEC to .com and .net, and indeed it's a it's an overall uh, wonderful thing for d n s in particular and the internet uh overall to have this this feature available so we'd like people to actually use it mm-hmm. and so to that end some of the stuff we've done, it's the uh the e p p the extensible provisioning protocol that uh is how the registrars communicate with registries and that's not just to uh Verisign but to other a lot of other uh registries use use that protocol. It there's uh there are extensions for DNSSEC uh that uh that we've added and, and we have a standard registrar uh API uh in both uh, for sure for sure Java. I have to be careful here, I'm not sure about specifics, but uh so you know the registrars have uh it, it's relatively straightforward to add that add that code, at least you know, the client side stuff. Uh, they've, they've got access to an API to do it. Um, you know, we, we've written some white papers. We've tried to make information available. So we've, you know, we, we've tried to make it as uh, as frictionless as possible, uh, and we've tried to encourage the, the registrars to do it. You know, I, I know at this point there there are uh, a lot of big registrars that have added support for uh, DNSSEC. It's it's not uh, it's not universal, certainly. I mean, that's why Williams asking the question. Um, one thing Verisign is not doing is, you know, we're not having any sort of DNSSEC compliance testing. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we don't have a list anywhere of of which registrars DNS are DNSSEC capable or not. You know, we we hear from them or hear from third parties that you know registrars have added support, but you know we don't. That's not something we track. We just didn't want to be in that in that business. Where, you know, one of the things we take really seriously is is not uh, favoring or uh, you know, giving any, any preferential treatment to one registrar over another, you know, we're sort of like the, the, the the public utility and, you know, we provide equal access to, to all registrars. And so we just didn't want to get into that business of saying, well, you've, you've passed the test and, you know, you can do DNSSEC, but you haven't, so you can't, you know, we don't, we don't do that.
1: Right. That could turn out to be kind of a contentious business, I would imagine, (laughs) you know, somebody feeling they were unfairly singled out for doing, you know, implementing something in a slightly different way.
0: Right. Yeah, the one there there is um conformance testing when a registrar uh comes online to begin with, but that's basically to show that, you know, they they've written uh software that's interoperable and isn't going to, you know, do anything anything bad on on our end and and so that that's sort of a standard uh standard suite and once they do that, that's, you know, then they're off and running and they're they're in the in the pool with every other registrar. Mhm. So I'm not quite sure what else to what else to add add on that. I I, I guess uh, you know d- there are different registrars with different different business models. So um, you know you don't know what will happen, but you know you can always you can always talk to your registrar, contact them either phone or email, and 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 ask them about it. You you know you you never know what what they'd say if you ask them. It's possible that they uh, that they're willing to do it. Uh, you know, sort of on a one-off basis rather than uh, you know if they don't have. A full-blown implementation up and running on their website for everybody
1: that's true actually you know we at infoblox uh, have a, a register i won't name them but um, they had not actually supported DNSSEC before and uh, they were willing to to make an exception for us and find a way to submit the the ds record to the parent zone or ds records to the parent zones so um, they did accommodate us so that, that definitely does happen although you know i also i, I encourage uh, you know our listeners to 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 be fairly forceful with their their registrars. You know, part of being a registrar is supporting DNSSEC today. I think so. You can you could justifiably be a little bit outraged and <laughs> bully them a little bit. I guess.
0: Well, I cannot condone the bullying of registrars, but <laughs> but I will say that you know DNSSEC is is required for all the new gTLDs that are coming. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely. Clearly, the way of the future, and it's it's something that um, is going to have to be supported going forward. So, I I would think that um, any registrars that do any amount of uh, business sort of to, to, to consumers, because you know they're, they're, as I said, there are the different different business models. And uh, but if of the registrars that do. You know, accept customers from all over. You know, they're going to have to. I think eventually, probably find that they're going to need to implement DNSSEC just to deal with the new TLDs, if not the .dot com .dot net. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I think there that's it, it
1: for our mailbag, isn't it? We're kind of low.
0: It is. Yeah, we we really need to have everybody please send in your questions to Mr. DNS at ask dash Mr. dot com. It's the mailbag, we are scraping the bottom of the mailbag. There's, yes. There's nothing left down there. <laughs>
1: Except maybe some very old stuff that we didn't answer. It just it timed out, as it were.
0: Yeah. We don't want to go back and visit that. So what's, uh, what's happening with you? Anything, anything exciting?
1: I'm not particularly exciting. I'm off to, um, I'm off to Cincinnati tomorrow. Uh, bright and early out of SFO, and uh, I'm going to give a talk for one of our partners, uh, a company called Cadre, and uh, then after Cadre, I'm off to um, Manchester, New Hampshire, for uh, a day or so.
0: Now, you and I, we've had the cincinnati chili discussion, right? We have had the cincinnati chili discussion. I don't, know, I don't know whether we've had it on air before. <laughs> so it, it is. So my, my in-laws are... Uh, live in Cincinnati or, or greater Cincinnati. And uh, so for those of our vast number of listeners who are not familiar with it, Cincinnati chili is this, this incredibly local regional cuisine that is uh, it is almost, in com- uh, it, almost as common in Cincinnati as say, like McDonald's, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. There are not one, not two, but there are three competing uh, franchises of chili parlors that that make this stuff, and there you cannot swing a cat in Cincinnati without finding one of these. And so, I know so Cincinnati Skyline is the biggest, and Gold Star, okay. and Empress, 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 yeah. Okay, and All right. so Cincinnati Chili for those you know not in the know, you have a bed of spaghetti, and then you have the chili itself, which is uh, not just ground beef, but like minced beef. It's like really finely ground beef. With a, a bunch of spices, like there's a lot of cinnamon in there. It, I'm sure if you could see the hmm. recipe, uh, of course the recipe is like you know, the formula for Coke. It's a carefully guarded secret. <laughs> um, you know, I, seriously, I think the Skyline folks, like only certain people know the the formula, and they have to come together uh, every now and then to make this you know massive batch of of spice. That's what I've heard anyway. It's like the
1: it's it's, it's like the, the 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 root zone, the
0: DNS. Yeah, it's the, like the, signing, the signing the root zone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah we we need to have a, a a chili a chili spice ceremony uh no so so then and this stuff ends up being um really kind of soupy like like i would say more soupy than say a sloppy joe kind of kind of mixture so then that that's the second layer and then you add uh we'll see okay we have to get into, get into the ways here you can have three way four way and five way right so three way would be if you just added uh shredded cheddar cheese, and you were done. So you'd, you'd add the pasta, the chili, and the cheese on top. You can add uh, onions and make it a four-way, and then you can add uh, pinto beans on top of that and make it a five-way.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I've actually had it,
1: I think, once, at least once, maybe twice. Um, and it's it's really not much like, well, I think of chili. You know, when I think of chili, I think of Texas chili, chili right. con carne. <clears throat>
0: you
1: know, beans and meat and... Uh, you know, out here in California, I don't know whether other people do this. Sometimes you put a little sour cream on there, um, but yeah, this is almost unrecognizable right. as chilly
0: to me, anyway. <laughs> no, I yeah, I, I agree, but it's it's good stuff. I don't know what I don't know what's in there. I I've had I've gone multiple days in a row when we've been visiting my in laws to just you know you can have skyline two days in a row, three days in a row. It's there's no law that says you can't do that well
1: and and you could go each time and you know have three-way and then four-way and then five-way you could sort of build up that you way. could right and they so have you really be eating a different dish each day
0: you would and they have coney <laughs> dogs as well oh okay you can get a, do- a hot dog with chili on it various various different ways so so that's that's uh that's skyline chili or cincinnati general cincinnati chili in general and skyline specifically
2: hmm. so all
1: right well i will be on my on my uh the lookout for, for some Cincinnati chili. I think I get in, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It has not been a great, uh, a great summer for uh, travel delays, but if I get in on time, then, uh, I should be able to have dinner in Cincinnati.
0: There you go. Well, I'm sure it will not be hard to find some. Yeah. How about you? Anything interesting going on? Uh, actually we started a, uh, a new church job this morning. Oh, so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, playing the organ and, uh, Conducting the choir at a uh, Lutheran church In Arlington, Virginia Wow, so that's Arlington, that's a, that's a ways Isn't it? It's about half an hour Yeah Okay. Yeah. So tw- it was 25 minutes coming home today So it's yeah. kind of an interesting organ It's, um, you know na- Nowadays The kind of processing power you can have on a modern Computer, you can have all this memory And all this processing power And, and you can take uh, digital samples Of individual pipes And then just squish them all together and you can have enough enough processing power to in real time you know reconstruct the sound of multiple organ pipes at at once. Right. A- right. And and so a modern uh electronic organ sounds so much better than electronic organs from say 20 or 30 years ago. The org- the organ I played in high school uh was by this actually the same the same manufacturer as the one that that we're playing at this church, but that one it's just oh just sounds awful i go back and play it in the church i grew up in and it just sounds really really bad but Hmm. uh but on top of that this one um so not only is it is it you know modern electronic organ with sampled pipes but it also has real pipes it has uh it has about 16 16 ranks we call them 16 sets of of real pipes as well so it's really quite quite effective it's kind of a lot of i I hate to i hate to like it as much (laughs) as i do you know it's heretical it, it is, it is, but then again, it's, it's really, it's quite satisfying and well put together. So it's a, it's a complicated organ though. It's going to take, it's going to take some while, some time to sort of get, get my head around it. Well,
1: I, I think I've mentioned to you that Walt's at uh, Bellarmine this year. Yes. So, you know, I've, I've gone to mass now. <laughs> okay. I think I've just gone to mass once. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's not my only mass. It was nice. It was very nice.
0: But. Do they have music?
1: Um, well, they have a choir, yeah. You'll be, uh, you'll be relieved to know that there are no handbells. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was very pleasant. Um, was out on the lawn in the, the quad at Bellarmine. And what a, what a beautiful high school. Next time you're out here, maybe I'll take you by. They just completed a huge renovation. And it seems like almost every one of the buildings on campus is, is new. Um, you know, Paige, who's been taking some interior design classes over at West Valley, which is a community college in Saratoga, not too far from us, you know, looks at the the buildings uh, at Bellarmine with, with some envy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but very nice facilities. And uh, and he just started um, on the robotics team. Their robotics team is, um, at least in, in one category, uh, last year's robotics team was the world champions. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty pretty well known. They're called the Cheesy Puffs, I think. No, maybe it's Cheesy Poofs. I think it's Cheesy Poofs.
0: Ch- cheesy Poofs is uh, South Park, right?
1: Yes, yes, that's right.
0: That's what the young folks watch these days.
1: <laughs> you see, and of course, I don't watch South Park, so you know, I suffer for it. But uh, yeah, their are sponsors. You know how other, other high school athletic teams have, you know, your neighborhood uh, deli or or liquor store or uh, you know lumberyard as a, a sponsor. Their their sponsor is
0: NASA. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's been it's been a good experience so far.
0: Great. Well, you think we should wrap this thing up. I guess so. Let's uh, let me
1: take us out. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk to you guys. If you have any questions, please do submit them to uh, MrDNS, that is MRDNS, at ask-MRDNS.com. We'd love to get your questions, and we'll do our very best to answer them in our very next podcast. So, as always, thanks for tuning in, and we'll hope to hear from you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.